Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hey, everyone. I'm David Chalian, the CNN political director. This is the Daily DC Impeachment Watch. Every weeknight, we've got you covered with up-to-the-minute reporting and analysis into this historic impeachment inquiry. Today wraps up the seventh week of this fast-moving saga, and I have two incredible guests to help me process what's already happened and what is likely to happen in the weeks to come. In a few minutes, we'll be talking with Mark Mazzetti, Pulitzer Prize-winning investigative correspondent at The New York Times. Mark's also a CNN contributor. But first, I'm joined by my colleague, CNN political correspondent, Abby Phillip. Welcome back to the podcast. Thanks for having me. So uh, once again, I feel like uh, we've done something wrong to piss off the House Democrats who seem to drop transcripts uh, every day as we are about to sit down and record this podcast. So we are now sitting with piles of paper of two, I would argue, two of the most critical transcripts uh, in, in this entire impeachment inquiry. You have Fiona Hill who worked in the White House and uh, was not on the July 25th call, but was the first uh, person that had worked in the White House that had come before the committee to testify about her experience. She worked for John Bolton, the national security advisor, directly and um, had Ukraine in her portfolio. Um, And we have the transcript now of Lieutenant Colonel Vinman, who we know was on the July 25th call, listening in from the Situation Room. And uh, his transcript came out today, too. Now, again, we learned a lot of what the news of what these folks had to say to the committee uh, the days that they testified. But we now see uh, more context here and deeper uh, detailed descriptions of what they told the committee. Can I just get your top line initial sort of like thoughts at what has popped to you of what you've seen here? Well, I do think and I've been feeling this way for a long time, there is an element of what everybody so far has testified to, which is the feeling that this uh, proposed quid pro quo that was unfolding as it related to Ukraine was incredibly damaging to to U.S. foreign policy, beyond it being inappropriate, beyond it being unseemly, uh, potentially illegal. They also felt that it was dangerous in a lot of ways because of how it emboldened Russia. I also think that what Fiona Hill does is because she worked in the White House and she's kind of in a little bit of a higher echelon in terms of White House officials, she has some visibility into what the kind of senior administration official view of this whole thing was. And she speaks directly to the role of Chief of Staff Mick Mulvaney in all of this. She makes it very clear that that Mick Mulvaney was supportive of the idea that the meeting and that the aid would be contingent on the investigations into Biden and 2016. That is an extraordinarily important development because I think it brings it closer to the president, which is what has to happen in this investigation. So far, we've gotten a lot of the atmospherics, but uh, getting closer and closer to the president will make this uh, the connection between what we're hearing and whether the president should be impeached over it more clear in the minds of people. Well, I'm glad you bring that up about proximity to the president, because, as you know, the president spoke to reporters today 
today, as he is wont to do on the South Lawn of the White House. Um, and one of the people we know spoke to directly to the president about this notion of a quid pro quo was Gordon Sondland, the ambassador to the EU. And he came out of that conversation with a clear directive from the president that there was no quid pro quo. Yet uh, he went back, as we know, this week, revised his testimony and I think pretty clearly put forth um, a scenario where he his testimony now is that he believed there was a quid pro quo at play, uh, despite what the president's specific words were to him. I now want you to hear how the president responded to reporters when asked about Sunland changing his testimony. Let me just tell you, I, I hardly know the gentleman, but this is the man who said there was no quid pro quo. And he still says that. And he said that I said that. And he hasn't changed that testimony. So this is a man that said, as far as the president is concerned, there was no quid pro quo. Everybody that's testified, even the ones that are Trump haters, they've all been fine. They don't have anything. There are two things here that I want you to address, please. One, I hardly know the gentleman. Like, please address that first. Go ahead. Sorry to this man. You know, this is Donald Trump's version of that meme from Kiki Palmer that I don't even know this guy if I saw him walking down the street. But Donald Trump had a close enough relationship to uh, to Gordon Sundland that keep in mind the conversation that he's referencing in that clip happened basically in the middle of the night that Gordon Sundland had a close enough relationship that at some point between, let's say, midnight Eastern time and 6 a.m. Eastern time, he had a conversation with the president of the United States states on the phone in which the president said there was no quid pro quo. But what's really what Sundland is describing, the details of what he's describing is a quid pro quo. That's the difference between what's going on. And Trump keeps claiming that just because he didn't use the words, it didn't happen. But that's not actually what is being described. But Trump is also doing classic Trump here, which if you listen to his words, exactly what he's saying, he says Sunland's testifying, I said, no yes. quid pro quo. He hasn't changed any testimony about what I said. No, what Sunland changed his testimony about is what he perceived to actually be happening. Yes, and what he actually carried out as the person who said that he was in charge of this Ukrainian policy. So the president, this is the Republican argument right at this moment, which is that the words quid pro quo did not come out of the president's mouths. I think reasonable people would 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 question whether that is a legitimate defense, because if, in fact, people were actually uh, carrying out a quid pro quo in their policy and what they were asking the Ukrainians for, it doesn't matter whether or not those words were used. And the fact that President Trump is doing what he did to his former personal attorney, Michael Cohen, and to Paul Manafort, his former campaign manager, in both cases, claiming he doesn't even know people who say things that are not favorable to him, it just goes to show that he clearly views Sondland's revisions as a problem for him. One more thing before we go to break and bring Mark in. I want you to hear another piece of sound from the president today about his acting chief of staff, Mick Mulvaney, and whether uh, he would like he'd be OK with him uh, going up to the Hill to testify. As you know, uh, he did not show up uh, to testify. And uh, this was the president on the South Lawn today. I don't want to give credibility to a corrupt witch hunt. I'd love to have Mick go up, frankly. I think it'd do great. I'd love to have him go up. I'd love to have almost every person go up when they know me. What I don't like is when they put all these people that I never met before. Abby? Well, 
There was a time when the White House was saying that the real problem with what's going on on the Hill is that it's happening behind closed doors and our people aren't being asked to testify and we don't have representation from lawyers. And now it is that the whole thing is just illegitimate and I don't even want to give, give it legitimacy by having Mulvaney go out there and testify. I actually do think that uh, it's a real question why the White House hasn't tried to put more witnesses that might tell a favorable story for the president uh, on Capitol Hill. Why haven't they pushed harder for some of those people to testify? And it could be because they're concerned that maybe it's not going to actually turn out that way. If Mick Mulvaney testifies, Fiona Hill has implicated him in all of this. And I think uh, President Trump's comments today really just indicate that he's aware that there's danger there, especially also Mulvaney gave a press conference in which he said, yeah, we asked for a political quid pro quo. So he's going to have to explain that, too. Yeah. I mean, the reason I think that these people are not going up to testify, as you say, to tell a story that would be advantageous to the administration is because the facts make that very hard to do. Yes, exactly. Uh, Okay, Abby, stay right there. We have so much more to discuss. Uh, We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we will be joined by Mark Mazzetti of The New York Times right after this break. Welcome back to the Daily DC Impeachment Watch. I'm David Chalian. Abby Phillip is still with me, and we're both pleased to welcome New York Times Washington correspondent and CNN contributor Mark Mazzetti. Welcome to the podcast, Mark. Thanks for having me. Um, I know that you have looked uh, into the role of Rudy Giuliani in this quite a bit, and uh, I want to read to you one of the things that uh, we saw in the Fiona Hill transcript today is that um, she testified that Volcker said that uh, he would be able to reason with Giuliani and manage him in this process, the envoy to, to Ukraine. Um, and and her quote, what she told the committee was, well, we did not think that this was manageable. She said, quote, an ambassador Bolton, her boss, made it very clear that nobody should be talking to Rudy Giuliani on our team or anybody else should be. What did what do you think John Bolton was seeing in Rudy Giuliani that he was trying to shut down any communication from anyone at the White House? And another John Bolton quote from, according to Fiona Hill, is that Rudy Giuliani is a hand grenade that is going to blow everybody up. Um, You know, I think that while this story seems like it's getting more complicated in many ways, it's getting simpler. This week, as Abby's just said, um, Gordon Sondland changes his testimony. So now you have uh, basically the story of um, the quid pro quo. The Ukrainians are pushed uh, to open investigations, make statements, and the military aid will be unfrozen. Now, um, in parallel, you have this effort that Rudy Giuliani is undertaking. And what we hear from all the witnesses is they, with different levels of visibility, knew Rudy Giuliani was on this completely parallel track doing American foreign policy outside official diplomatic channels. And what John Bolton is talking about with the hand grenade, the concern, we got to shut everyone down, um, is that we cannot be part of this. Because Bolton knew that effectively what Rudy Giuliani was doing was trying to go after the president's enemies and was going and was trying to, um, in effect, um, you know, hijack American foreign policy in Ukraine well, for the president. That's the point that I think is so interesting. Though. It, not only was he maybe helping out in this scheme for Trump to get dirt on on Joe Biden, but what Giuliani was doing, if I understand you correctly, is running 
this shadow foreign policy policy that's actually antithetical to what American foreign policy toward Ukraine is, because it was okay with holding up money that they needed to protect themselves against the Russians. The uh, American policy towards Ukraine from the beginning of the Trump administration has actually been fairly consistent, right? It is to support and help the Ukraine government and the Ukraine military in its efforts against Russia. And all of these people who we're hearing testify, the State Department officials, White House officials, they're basically rowing in the same direction, right? This is what we need to be doing uh, vis-a-vis Ukraine. And as you said, here's Rudy Giuliani doing the exact opposite, right? Because he's got his own agenda. And the question, of course, is to what extent is he directly communicating with the president to carry out this agenda? Well, the other question seems to be why? I mean, one of the things that I've been fascinated by is Giuliani seems to be so invested in getting rid of the U.S. ambassador to Ukraine, Marie Ivanovich. And I still don't really understand what is his objective, putting Biden aside, uh, to pushing Ivanovich out and to pursuing this effort that seems to be backed by these two uh, Ukrainian-American sidekicks uh, who were were also being investigated? I mean, c- can you connect those dots for us a little bit? Right. I mean, I think there's a, there's a lot more we need to know about the Rudy Giuliani operation, but we know that um, that it 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 is part of a broader effort on the right to um, that had identified Ukraine as a problem. Ukraine was uh, the uh, were, there was a nest of Hillary Clinton supporters, Democrat supporters. It goes back to 2016. And this was pushed by Donald Trump Jr. And so what Rudy Giuliani in many ways is identifying enemies. Uh, the ambassador Yovanovitch is an enemy. She is uh, she is is not you know, uh, recognizing the problems inside Ukraine. She is not getting rid of the quote unquote corrupt people. She's backing the people who are um, maybe antithetical to the president. So they saw her as uh, someone who was standing in the way they needed to get rid of. And so this is part of Rudy Giuliani is, is in effect, um, you know, doing this under the radar operation uh, to go after the, pre- the perceived enemies of the president. But was that is that true? Was Yovanovitch not working on anti-corruption Efforts with the Ukrainians? Uh, she, of course, was. And this is the question of corruption is a charge that is lobbed by all sides. But it's kind of a um, it's it's a it's a red herring. Right. The idea is if someone is anti-corruption, it may mean that they or pro-corruption may mean that they're not on your side. OK, so um, Ukraine is an incredibly corrupt com- country um, and it has been um, one of the efforts, one of the things the United States has been pushing for officially is to try to reduce the corruption. And one of, I think, the biggest and most important stories of this week was by my colleague Andrew Kramer um, in Kiev, who um, talked about the agonizing decision that President Zelensky had to whether to go out and announce this, these investigations, um, or, uh, in order to get the aid or sort of stick to his principles. And this is a guy who, um, after so much corruption, he, he's elected in the spring on an anti-corruption platform, um, and the United States has been lecturing for so long, and yet here is his first interactions with the American government, and it's basically an effect of shakedown, okay? And so it's it's amazing that this 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 
episode really could have an impact on American foreign policy for years to come because people have long thought, well, the American, Americans don't act this way. Well, maybe they do. Yeah. And, and this is actually described in some of the transcripts that were released this week. There was a meeting that was described in one of the transcripts, and I'm forgetting which one because there are so many, uh, in which a U.S. official says to the Ukrainians, you shouldn't pursue the prosecution of this, uh, of this former, uh, of the former Ukrainian president. And they said, oh, yeah, like how you're pursuing this investigation into Joe Biden and Hunter Biden. So it's already having an effect. And, and Fiona Hill describes it as corrosive. So, I mean, to your point, it's just incredible. But I also thought it was interesting that Giuliani was actively seeking a visa for this former Ukrainian prosecutor who the State Department said, that guy is corrupt. We can't possibly give him a visa. So it's incredible to me that Giuliani was actually pushing the interests of people who were known to the U.S. government to be corrupt figures in Ukraine. And now they're turning this around and trying to... President Trump calls him a good guy. Right. Right. And now they're turning around and, and... up is down and down is up. And, and this is, right, this is the, the, the group inside of Ukraine that is um, investigating or the, that Trump believes is investigating 2016, the alleged server, uh, the idea that this conspiracy that it was actually Ukraine, not Russia, that meddled in the election. So um, anyone who is on that side, the president and his allies have identified as the good guys. And people on the other side, like Ambassador Yovanovitch, are the enemies. Abby, before we go, one final question for you. What are you looking forward to next week in this inquiry? Obviously, this goes public. What are you looking for most in those open hearings? We will see who is, when the paper becomes audio and video, who is the best uh, character witness for this case. Uh, I was kind of going back to another podcast about the Watergate saga, and it reminds me, and I think reminds all of us, of how important that is. The uh, the person who kind of embodies the the details of what is happening. And for the first time, that's going to happen for us next week. I don't actually know who that person is, uh, who that person will be, who will be most convincing either in their retelling of things or in the kinds of details that they have. But it's going to be a critical moment uh, for us. For this particular situation, just as it was in uh, in the the Nixon Watergate scandal, and I think that that's we're all going to be looking for that. Of course, there will be no secret tapes here. That podcast, Slow Burn, has that. Yeah. I assume is what you're talking yes. about. It has that episode of the reveal of the staffer who learns of the tapes. This, of course, is all set out in public. The transcript is out there. The president encourages us every day to read it, and he uh, even uh, invited China to participate. Uh, as well on the South Lawn. But how riveting will this be at water coolers all across the country is really the question. Totally riveting. Abby, Mark, thank you so much for being here on the Daily DC Impeachment Watch. And thanks to our listeners. We've got a new episode for you every weeknight. So please make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Spotify, whatever your favorite podcast app is. And while you're there, leave us a rating or a comment. It really helps people find the show. We'll see you next week. When you work, you work next level. And when you play, you play next level. And when it's time to sleep, Sleep Number smart beds are designed to embrace your uniqueness, providing you with high-quality sleep every night. Sleep next level. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599. Save $300 for a limited time, only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Prices higher in Alaska and Hawaii. 
quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.